with notes. There's a lot of other sales tech products that have been built that try to take this sales note to a whole nother level. And I think it's interesting in theory. You know, if you're tech folks sitting back and thinking about what would be cool, that's what you would build. You're like, I'm gonna build this note that can auto inject fields and it can do AI and pull this up and do this thing and do that thing. Well, great, but if, have you talked to any reps? Have you put it in front of them? Like how are reps working today? And most folks, it's just like, listen, I just want a basic text editor. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Puyan Salehi. Puyan is the founder and CEO of Scratchpad. In our conversation, we're going to talk about the struggles sellers were having keeping everything updated in Salesforce and what that did to drive Puyan to start Scratchpad. We dive into why Puyan believes sellers need a tool like Scratchpad and how it will help them save time and win more deals. And we'll get into specifics about how a tool like Scratchpad could be used by sellers to manage their pipelines more effectively as well. Now, lastly, when Puyan was first on my show, over five years ago, I asked him a series of seven rapid-fire questions. And in a fun bit of back to the future, I surprised Puyan by asking him these exact same questions again and comparing his answers and how things have changed over the last five years. So lots of great takeaways today. Stick around for these and much, much more. But before we get to Puyan, I just want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd really appreciate it if you could also leave us a review. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Puyan, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's been, what did we calculate? Five years, 2016. I, yeah, I can't believe it's gone that it's been that long, but um, it, regardless, it's, it's great to see you and great to, great to chat with you again. Yeah, you know, I think we've chatted maybe once or twice beforehand, but it's it's still it's been a while since we yeah. did that. That was episode one hundred and fifty four. Wow! So, uh, yeah, about eight hundred episodes ago. <laughs> 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 and hey, a lot's happened since then. I mean, mm-hmm. so when you were on before, you were talking about your company at the time, Persist mm-hmm. IQ. So yeah, fill us in what what transpired with Persist IQ. Wow, uh, a lot. But let me let me try to tell you pr- pretty quickly. So I think back then, we were probably still in the very early days of what's now considered the sales engagement space. Right. And you know, it was interesting because we when we started Persist IQ it was to solve our own problem that we were facing, and we went through Y Combinator, came out, and most investors just wrote the whole space off. My God, there's really nothing here. Salesforce will do this. Marketo will do this. And right. it's, it's just been super cool to be part of the space and see how it's evolved where you now have, um, you know, what I'd consider out, outreach is, is the leader and credit to them for how they've executed, you know, multi-billion dollar company. And, and that this entire- Valuation wise, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But in this entire category, and there's some other, other companies in the space as well that have, that have done incredibly well. Ring DNA, for instance, yes. Yeah, exactly, Who exactly. Owns owns this podcast, yes. Yes, um, but the and, and I'd say even in that was just one one space. Um, I, I feel like a lot of categories have also emerged, and I think it's still still relatively early. Where there's sure. so many different companies and trying to figure out what categories fit where, but um, but yeah, the, the the space has grown. But what we what we went through with our experience with Persist IQ was we had a you know, we had a great product. It was working well. And we just realized that, you know, sometimes that's just not it, especially in the sales right. tech space. The right. go-to-market 
motions matter so much and have to be aligned with product. And we just decided, you know, there's uh, there's so many players in the space with more capital and we had only raised a seed round to not go into that fight. And mm-hmm. it was a pretty hard decision because um, in Silicon Valley, if you're not the hot growing company, it's like, what are you then? And right. And so we, we had a great team. We kept the team together and we just kept iterating. We, we had a lot of empathy that we had built for salespeople and the sales tech space and said, you know, we, we like being in this space. Let's keep, there are a lot of problems we've found. Let's just keep mm-hmm. seeing if there's a meaningful one we can solve. Um, and out of that, you know, I'll, I'll shorten the story a bit, but uh, we ended up finding a small problem that we thought was worth solving we didn't know that it would actually lead to what what is now scratchpad and where it's where it's heading right but it felt like it was a meaty enough problem to at least go after and well tell tell people what the problem was yes i'll I'll, I'll just share the observation that we saw um and i think to to the problem so you know for for the folks who are listening persist iq is was like a sales engagement system where you could build a cadence or a sequence of communication emails and phone calls and what have you and it was primarily used by sales development BDR teams, some account executives that are doing prospecting. And what we saw, the question we asked was, okay, a few years in, if you were going after target accounts, is that still the right model? Mm-hmm. And what if, because cadences seem very linear in that you, you build right. the cadence out, you throw somebody in and it goes through the steps. Well, at a target account, it's more complex. You have different personas, they're at different levels and how do the communication touch points all inter- interact with each other? So we right. actually built a super cool product that we started getting a lot of traction with sales leaders. VPs would see it and they'd be like, oh my gosh, we, yes, that makes sense. In the pilots, they loved it. They gave it to their team. No one used it. Shocking. And yeah. And we're like, okay, well, like what's going on? And so right. that then we, we, we just asked a few of the teams. We're like, hey, can we shadow? And they were like, sure. Like they were forward thinking. And so we, we went in with right. their teams. We sat behind some reps and we just watched them work. And what we observed there, Andy, was uh, we ended up not working on that product. We, uh, I still think it should exist. It, um, it's just sitting there. But what we observed were a bunch of small problems that on their own were insignificant, right? Like one rep we looked at was taking all of his notes into the comments field of a task section in Salesforce. Another mm-hmm. rep we looked at had about 50 tabs open and was just trying to figure out which one. Another one was using the forecast module in ways that it shouldn't have been. Somebody was putting tasks in calendar. Somebody was putting all of their notes into an op field that wasn't built for it. Um, right. But I mean, they're trying to make it fit to their process, right? Well, they're trying to make it fit with the system that the company had told them, which is like we have Salesforce. We have a sales engagement tool. We have a call recording tool. We have these things. Here you go, do your work. Mm-hmm. And what we saw, what we, what we observed across several reps, and again, all of these on their own were insignificant, but when you started connecting the dots, what we saw was each rep is creating what we call their own workspace. Yep. It was their own way to take notes. Evernote, yep. Mac notes, OneNote, paper notebooks, a way to manage their accounts and their pipeline. Google mm-hmm. Sheets, Airtable, um, Excel tasks were all over the place, but collectively everyone did it because what we learned is everyone works a little bit differently. They process information differently. We're all humans. In that, right. And so yeah. you had to find something that worked for them, but then on the flip side, the problems that caused. So as a rep, you're like, okay, well, this kind of works for me. I can stay on top of my pipe. 
um, and my deals and my tasks. But then you've got the manager nagging you. Update your next steps. Update your deals. This is out of date. And you're like, okay, so what do you do? You block time off on the calendar. Thursday nights, Friday mornings. And it's like this pain that everyone had just accepted as the current state. You're like, well, this is just what it is. This is what it's like to be in sales. You got to do the work. And we just stepped back and said, you know, why? Why do you have to use a general purpose tool for something that is so, this craft that we consider, which is sales, that millions of people are doing around the world? Why doesn't something specific exist? And the analogy I like to use is, you know, if you look at any craft or profession, like, uh, you know, let's go outside of tech. Let's go to chefs, for example. You've got a kitchen that's optimized for you. You look at an artist. You've got a studio that's designed for you. A woodworker, you've got your shop. You bring it back to sales. You're like, well, why doesn't that concept of a workspace exist? Why do you have to duct tape these things together? And that was a nugget for us on that that led down to what has now become Scratchpad and is, and is growing is we've we decided that that should exist. It's this concept of a workspace that is designed purely for a sales rep, but also for the revenue revenue team, and it helps mm-hmm. folks on the team work well together. Um, but it's all connected to your da- your database. And so what, right. when, and what I mean by database, and that's important, is there's been this thinking that Salesforce is a place where you do the work. That's just not the reality. It's built for managers. It's great for reporting. Right. But it's not where reps go to work or want to work. And right. we've we've managed to uh, to change that. Yeah. And it's it's so just explain briefly what it what it looks like. Cause I mean, at least to me, as I go through it, it's like to your point. It's you can as an individual, you can customize this. Yeah, you know, like you were that a chef. I mean, what they call it, mise en place or something, where they mm-hmm. you know have everything lined up the right way in the exactly. kitchen so that it fits the process they go through, and individual AEs can suddenly do this, and it's it provides yeah. this interface to the where the data is exactly um, in multiple forms. Yep. So one of the things we there's two things we focused on that we thought mattered a lot. Number one was simplicity. Number two was speed. And what I mean by that is we actually spent the first three to four months just just trying to craft that initial onboarding experience. Because what Mm -hmm. we knew was, listen, as a sales rep, you have your quota to hit. That's hanging over you. It's not, you have no patience for trying out a new tool, learning it, going through a bunch of training videos just in the hopes of learning how to use this thing, just in the hopes that maybe it helps you. We asked, how might we be able to hand this to an account executive and in about a minute or less, they can get up and running and see the value, which is a really hard thing to do. But we've been able to do it where, uh, and and I'll I'll talk exactly what it is, but the way we did that was we just studied how reps work today, right? How can we come to the rep? How can we build our product in a way that matches behaviors that account executives and account managers already are showing. So you don't have to necessarily learn something new. It's what you're already doing. And so that's why we said, you know, a big part of the product is looks like a spreadsheet. Most folks know how to work with a spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah, And a, a big part of the product is notes, but here's the thing with notes. There's a lot of other sales tech products that have been built that try to take this sales note to a whole nother level. And I think it's interesting in theory. Um, and there is, you know, if you're tech folks sitting back and thinking about what would be cool, that's what you would build. You're like, I'm going to build this note that can auto inject fields and it can do AI and pull this up and do this thing and do that thing. Well, great. But if, have you talked to any reps? Have you put it in front of them? Like how are reps working today? And most folks, it's just like, listen, I just want a basic text editor. 
I know how to take my notes. Some people take bullet points, other people write details. And so we actually went back on one of our designs that had a lot of really cool tech in it. And we went back to something so simple that somebody would know how to do, which is I know how to work with a text editor, but we connected that text editor to Salesforce. So when you link to a record, it auto injects, it brings your fields to you and lets you interact with it in a way that works for you. And this is the piece. and, And you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier on, you know, people and training were all somewhat different. And I would actually say we're all somewhat different in how we work as well. And so we tried, we tried to bring the product. I know that sounds so, so obvious, but when you look at how SaaS products are built, especially in the sales tech world, they're not generally built for end users. They're built for managers and leaders and people mm-hmm. buy it. And right. we flipped it upside down and we said, how can we build this such that it's flexible enough to accommodate different working styles, different ways of processing information, but still connected to that central database, which is Salesforce, so that you can get the information in, you can get the information out and you can work with it. Um, And so this concept of the workspace for us meant that it had to be flexible, where your workspace might look slightly different than mine. You may be Mm -hmm. very task heavy, I may be very spreadsheet pipeline heavy, and let's say one of our other colleagues may be very note heavy, and that's okay. It's got the breadth to be able to do that, Right. Um, that sounds a lot easier than it is to actually do and, and build and ship a product that, that works and, and uh, people use. But again, we, we love those types of problems. And so it's helped us get to where we are. So if we were to look at it from the perspective of a salesperson, AE, or an account mm-hmm. manager, is they're looking at this and if they, so if they ask themselves, well, how is Scratchpad going to help me win more deals, for instance? Yeah. What would be the answer? Right? I yeah. Mean, in those moments that matter, right? When mm-hmm. I'm interacting with a buyer, how is this going to help me? So in, in, in a few ways, um, listen, there's no magical tech that I've ever seen that's like, listen, when you're on a call, say this thing and you're going to close that deal. I, it, it's all fluff, right? I, I think we like to break it down back to the basics and believe that a lot of reps are already successful, mm-hmm. right? And some some could be, but there's this drag down and that's what we that's what we consider. And even Salesforce has done studies on this where the actual selling time, time and market that reps have is somewhere around 30 some percent. Now you could argue maybe part of that is internal meetings and what have you, but it's well, let me give some perspective on that. Because yeah. I I don't think that number's changed in decades. <laughs> Just FYI. Even before the advent of CRM, I don't think that number's moved a whit. <laughs> so maybe a different conversation is like, okay. Why is that, right, that we seem to be stuck? And I know we... Yeah, well, there, I think there's a, there's a few ways. Um, I actually think the number has is changing in a way, or maybe it's not necessarily the number, but the drag is changing because there are more tools introduced. Right. Or there are more tools now than there have been before. Absolutely. So if you're a rep, you're like, okay, great. Now I got one more tool and another tool here, and I got to manage that thing. More organizations are becoming trying to become data-driven right? Implementing formal processes. Um, hey, we're going to roll out MedPick or some methodology. Right. Right. That change is also happening more frequently. This quarter, we're doing this. This quarter, we're doing this. Now you got to fill out these fields and then there's these required fields and you got to do that thing. Oh, and by the way, we're going to do handoffs. So you got to fill this thing out and that thing out. And so I think what's being asked of the sales team, the revenue team, account executives is slowly increasing and there's more and more demands being put on them. And that's what I call in this one bucket is drag is there's all this other work that you have to do on top of the work you have to do to close the deals. The other one well, that I call is just the access to that information. 
Yeah, I was just going to inject the point there, which I... Yeah, please go ahead. You, you said it. Is, yeah, how's any of that help them win deals? It doesn't. It, it doesn't. That's yeah. the point. It's, it's the, the drag that's put on them. And I understand, I understand why it's there, right? Because if any one of those reps were in, let's say, or in some eventually will move into leadership and running a sales organization, you realize that, gosh, you need some of that information at the org level to be able to make decisions and figure out what's working and, and what have you. But to your point for the individual, if you look at it just through the lens of a rep, you're like, why is this helping me? Yeah, maybe that might help somebody else or the process or what have you, but what about me? Right. And that drag and that put all of that crap into that drag bucket is there. There's the other piece, which is great. Now there's all this information being thrown my way or like my accounts are in Salesforce and I have to go there and access it or like, there's this score now that somebody's giving us to predict who's going to close and there's this happening and that happening. So the information is really challenging to access. It's slow and we, we all know how long it takes to, to have Salesforce load or any of the systems. It's long. I was literally on a call with a rep yesterday. Poor rep had to scroll about seven pages down, full length pages at the op record just to get to the section of the information that he needed to change one field. Right. And it was just like, by the time he scrolled down, he's like, I forgot what I was trying to change, right? Because right. the mind is working so fast, but the systems aren't. Um, and so I think the access to information is also a challenge. And so in its simplest form, I think what we've heard or what I've heard from a lot of reps I've talked to that are using Scratchbed is it's helped remove the drag because I'm able just to go through things as fa like faster than I ever could before. And with another bucket, we've actually heard it may not help with any one specific deal, but collection of deals, quota attainment is I've actually been able to stay on top of my accounts and opportunities in a way where I've uncovered ops I should have been going after that I didn't know before, where there are certain accounts that I probably would have not paid attention to. And it's not through any crazy AI. It's not through any scoring. It's not through any magic machine learning. It's the basics that we've just tried to make simple and fast because most reps know what they're doing. It's just like, let's just get all that crap out of the way for them. That's it. So it might be a disappointing answer. <laughs> but, that, but I mean, that is, that is sort of the crux of the matter oftentimes for sellers, right? They're sort of at the bottom of the, the pile in terms of these requirements that are laid on top of them, which aren't ever laid on top of them with a thought to, this is going to make the rep be able to perform better in yeah. front of a buyer, right? It's just something extraneous that somebody thinks they need. And I, I think it's like we really have to go through and start reconstructing that whole thing and start from the bottom up. But yeah. instead, everything's being piled on from the top down. Well, and, I, and I'll tell you why that's not happening, though, and we don't believe it's going to happen because um, – and, and by the way, for, for any one deal, let me add this other piece. In terms of how it might help you on any one call, let's say if you and I were actually having a sales call right now. Mm -hmm. The other thing we've learned is that back to those two buckets, right? There's drag. And then there's information, the ability to access and update and work with the information you have. It's being able to <clears throat> work off of the learnings that you've had in previous calls. How organized are you? Mm -hmm. Right. And right now, if you'd ask any rep, notes are all over the place. There's Evernote and Mac notes and this thing, stuff's in Salesforce and stuff's here. So we've actually helped reps stay very organized. And since you have less drag, you can spend a little bit more time prepping before you go on to the call. You're able right. to access that information. So when you go onto that call, it's a lot more meaningful. Or when you're going multi-threaded, you know who the different people are and what they care about and what the other what you learned from use cases and the other one to talk about with this person. 
So I think it just helps you move faster and it helps you move faster in a way that works for you. So that's, that's the one piece on how it helps anyone deal. But the other observation we've had is, you know, there's this big trend in revenue operations picking up mm-hmm. where it's RevOps now. I'm trying to think about the whole organization and how things work. Um, but even within RevOps, you'll have sales ops that's working with the Salesforce page layouts and adding fields. Right. Guess what? People are adding fields all the time. They're changing things. Very few sales ops folks I know are also product designers. <laughs> and what you're essentially doing at that point by playing around with page layouts and required fields and validation right. rules is you are injecting into sales rep workflows. Well, guess what? Yep. That's a whole different skill set. It's a user experience, user design work or, or skill set that I rarely have seen in sales ops job descriptions, but that's the actual job that they're doing. And so it's just not by any fault of their own. It's like, well, let me just add this other field. Oh, let me make that one required. And let me put this one here on this page layout. And I don't know the last sales ops person I've talked to that's ever shadowed the reps and watched how they're working and said, let me figure out how to structure these fields or page layouts and study how reps are working so that it actually works for them. Yeah. So I take it then on Scratchpad though, it's just again, based on what I saw online is, is that you have the ability to respond to those changes very quickly. Yes. If you're yes, a seller. So well, not only as a seller, um, we're actually getting, we're hearing from a lot of RevOps leaders, sales enablement leaders that, and this isn't marketing anyone on site, but just by the, the concept of that workspace, it's like, oh my gosh, this is something we've been wanting to do. We've never been able to do because it, from their world, right. the only the only levers that they'll have to pull, right? If you're the if you're the enablement person and I'm the rep, you're going through and you know, let's say leadership says, okay, we're going through MedPick. You got to implement the MedPick fields. What can you do? Add fields to the pay op record and make them required. Mm-hmm. To me, that's more fields. It's more load times. It's more clicks. It's double click and but oh, and guess what? I saved it. and Somebody else was editing. All my changes are gone, right? So what it's actually doing is it's helping with change management at the RevOps and enablement level because they're able to create, you know, there's different uh, primitives we have in Scratchpad, like notes and grid views and tiles and all this other stuff we can get into. But it's all, imagine if an enablement and RevOps team had like a website builder. And that's what Scratchpad is for them, except it's a UI builder for sales reps, which is, hey. Rep, right. you like, dashboard. Well, it's, it's, it's a dashboard, but it's also their spreadsheet. It's their note app. It's their cert. Yeah. But it's all of those things where an enablement person could say, hey, team, I know we're implementing MedPick. Instead of you having to go to the op record and scroll down at the bottom and there's a section and highlight this area, I created a very special spreadsheet for you that only has your MedPick fields. So it's mm-hmm. easy. Just go there and you see which of your records don't have MedPick and you just update. Right. And there's no double clicks and there's no edit. So it's actually helping the team go through their changes faster because in every sales organ, I'm sure you've seen this, there is so much debt that's been built up with Salesforce. The number of fields, like no one goes back and says, hey, let me clean up Salesforce. Let me remove those old fields. Let me see what's not working for the reps. You just keep building on top of it. Mm-hmm. And over time, this creates additional complexity. And so right. this helps them hide that complexity and share with the re- revenue team just what they need to see and work with. Right. Yeah, no, I, I just, again, I haven't seen a hands-on demo, but uh, going through the, your site and looking at all your videos you guys had, is it's like, yeah, it seems very, very useful and practical. For that, and that's what you're And it's yeah. just like, okay, well, this takes a lot of the complexity out, but also it, it was 
personalized. Right? This felt like this was mine. And I think mm-hmm. that's a point so often about uh, Salesforce CRM in general is like, yeah, that's as a seller, that's not really mine. That's management's. Yes. Um, and so this is like, yeah, this is mine. Um, yeah. 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 Seemed very, very useful. So how do you see it evolving then from where you are today? Yeah. Um, I don't think our work is done with what we're doing for the rep. And I think a lot of what we're talking about here, which is, which I like is how can we best serve an account executive, an account manager, a sales engineer, a customer success rep? Cause I, I just don't think that's been done in sales tech and I've been in this space for a long time. Oh yeah. It's been SDR yeah. focused. It's been, yeah. It hasn't been AE focused. Yes. Yeah. And even with SDRs, it's more, how do we automate a lot of the work that they were doing so they don't have to do it, but we can do it as an org. But I believe that there is that craft and, and there is that piece to sales where some folks, you know, for, for some folks, it's a career for some, from, from some, for other points, it's a transition to something else and they come back to it for whatever it is, but it's a hard job to do with lots yes. of moving pieces. And what we wanted to do first is make the rep front and center. This is for you. It still works with the system that your rep, your organization needs and what have you, but this should feel actually one, one rep said it best. It was like, you know, after I started using it, it felt like this weight just came off my shoulder. <laughs> and then another one was like, it's, it's actually saved me for an hour of like raged induced stress from updating fields. And I was like, every week, right. I get it. No, I, for some it's week, others it's daily. Like we, we've talked to some organizations where their management has uh, requirements for everything to be updated every single day. Guess what? That burden falls on the rep. That's time sure. that they could be spending planning. That's time or, or you know what, go to the gym. And, and just in, and, and, and like you and I were talking before about like the human side behind this is mm-hmm. go spend time with your family, go to the yep. gym, or if you want, like do your planning ahead, but take that burden, that drag off. So I don't think our work is done there. I, I think there's a lot that we have planned on how we can make this an even better experience, even faster, even simpler so that it just helps an individual rep with their performance better what we're starting to see a lot of though is managers using it for one-on-ones. And what's becoming interesting for them is not necessarily, because today a lot of managers that I've talked to, they're like, yeah, I feel like I'm an interrogator. Half my time yeah. is spent telling my team, keep your pipe updated, update next steps. And if it's not right. there, it's like, okay, let's go through it again. Pull up your deals. Let's go through, talk about each one and where it's at. And what they're starting to see is that's done. By the time we're going, you and I are going into a one-on-one, all that information is already up to date. And so you, let's say if you're my manager, and if this were a one-on-one, you're actually able to have a meaningful conversation about the deal and coach me and say, hey, mm-hmm. okay, see, you've written this here as their, as their metrics and like what they care about is their pain and here are the people that you have as champions. Hey, we may need to go multi-threaded. Maybe we don't have a champion at this level enough. Right. Or, and so I think that's a really cool concept that we're starting to see, which is managers being better coaches because that data is there versus having to be interrogators. So there's a lot that we can, we're going to be doing evolving with this. There's a lot of integrations we've got in the works. I don't think any of those are like any one thing that's magical. Honestly, right. if, by the time we've talked here, you know me. I don't think there's any one thing that's magical. I just think it's doing a bunch oh. of small things really, really well and crafting them together in a way that, that works well. Right. Well, that's sort of a description of selling, right? Yeah. Nothing's magical, right? Everybody does it differently. You mean there's not one question I can ask that closes the deal? Yeah, right. But I mean, I think that so often people 
think about sales as sort of this this uh, process or this continuum, yeah. and it's really a collection of moments. Yeah. And we think about it, and it's what happens in those moments that's decisive. So yeah, if you can make those moments more each more effective, mm-hmm. voila. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So we've taken that model and applied it to product and said, yeah. how can we make this product so delightful and simple that you want to use it, right? It's not like, oh, your, your manager told you you have to use it and here's yet another sales tool and this and that. Uh, and that, again, it sounds simple, but it's so many companies have tried and failed in this uh, in the sales tech space for that reason. Yeah. Simplicity is always mm-hmm. the key. Yeah. And it becomes harder. I'll tell you this. That's the other big thing when I said oh, yeah. what's next is. As you add more stuff, keeping it simple, keeping it intuitive and keeping it fast requires even more work. So we, you know, the amount of work that we spend on design or time we spend on design is, uh, you know, for a lot of companies, they're just like that. That's that's crazy. That's shocking. And the, and the level of, I think, attention to detail that we give on the smallest things and no one's going to come out and say it, but they'll feel it and then it'll yeah. be felt. You're like, oh, that just it felt fast. It felt simple. Yeah. 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 Yeah, simple's hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, even think about just, yeah, I always go back to the Mark Twain photos. Yeah. Wanted to, wanted to write you a, a short note, but I didn't have time, so I wrote you a long one instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing. You know, it's easy to make it complex. It's hard to make it simple. So, 100%. All right. So, I want to do something I think will be fun. Is, so, the last time I interviewed you, five years ago, I had about half a dozen sort of rapid fire questions I asked you at the end of the interview. So I can ask oh, you the same dude, questions again today. <laughs> uh, well, I went back and listened to the episode again. So I can ask you the same six questions and we'll see how your answers have, have evolved. Okay. And for what it's worth, I do not remember any of those questions. So it's like, you're I was, count- I was counting on it. <laughs> this okay. is what I'm <laughs> counting on. So <laughs> I didn't want you to study for this. Holy cow. All right. So when you're selling personally, what's your most powerful personal sales asset? Questions. Questions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your answer last time was related, was understanding the customer. So yeah. that's how you get to I understand. Think it's more I think it's questions and also silence, creating the space for people to talk. Right. Okay. Um, so besides your own scratch pad, mm-hmm. what's you know, one tool you're using today for sales management that you can't live without? Ooh, for sales management. Um, I mean, it's... I'm going to have to say Salesforce now. I kind of cringe at saying that, but like it's become our database where we, we put, we've actually, our increase, our usage of Salesforce has tripled, if not quadrupled because of using Scratchpad. And I'll tell you Mm -hmm. just one example. We used to put all of our customer surveys in Airtable or a spreadsheet, like NPS scores and product user fit surveys and all of that. But what we learned is we can create a custom object in Salesforce and use Scratchpad as the interface to it. So now right. my entire team can see, all right, going into a call, what what did Andy like, what he didn't, what did he resonate mm-hmm. with? So it's it's actually changed. Like, and the reason I say that it's changed from what we would consider a CRM to actually a really good relational database. So yeah. I'm going to stick with that. I like it. Last time you said persistent IQ, I tried to get you away from saying it last time, but you persisted. So, uh, yeah. so who's your sales role model? My sales role model. Boy, I'm 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 struggling to answer a quick one here because I've learned there's so many phenomenal folks that I have actually learned from. Um, and that's that's fine. That's what you said last time. <laughs> okay. No, but I, 
if you unless yeah. you have one. No, you I'll have one. No, I'm going to give a shout out to I'm going to give it a shout out to um, one of my colleagues, actually ex colleague is no longer with us, but ton of respect for him. He was with us at Persist IQ. He joined us in early days of Scratchpad, and I actually learned a ton just from working with him. And he helped me become better. Uh, yeah. So uh, Wana, who, who I worked with for for years, um, but he actually, you know, for me the close was hard. And, the, and setting next steps right after the meeting and like, pull your calendar up. Let's get that thing scheduled. Right. I always right. felt like I was being intrusive and he really forced me in and helped me do a better job of that. So uh, I'm going to give him a shout out on that. All right. Perfect. Um, the one sales book every salesperson should read. It's not a sales book. Um, it's why am I blanking on the name now? Um, Never split the difference. Which I'm sure it's been brought up a lot, but on negotiations, I think it's a really important one. Okay. Chris Voss. Previously, you said Mm -hmm. Question-Based Selling by Tom Fries. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Here's a a question. See how you've evolved. Uh, What's on your playlist these days? Ooh. um, So I actually, I, yeah, uh, I have a certain album or, 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 I guess track I listen to uh, and during what I consider focus time. And I had mm-hmm. that I'm trying to get better at blocking time off to do that. Right. Um, but the recently, and it switches up, but recently it's been atmosphere. Um, same, yeah. same response as five years ago. Was, was it really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I went through, I went back through a thing. Back to your roots, Minneapolis hip hop. Back to the roots, back to the roots. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I went through, there, there's some different, phases from electronic music to some classical Persian music to just straight classical music to all, I mean, all rock, uh, all sorts yeah. of stuff. But yeah. I'm back, back to atmosphere now. Atmosphere. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. People check it out online. Atmosphere. Um, what's the first sales activity you do every day? Plan. All right. Sort of the same. You said prioritize last time. All right. Mm-hmm. Last question. What's the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople? <laughs> By salespeople or, okay. Uh, I've got an idea. How do I start my own thing? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's how do I get out of sales. Yeah, how do I get out of sales? Do something different, which doesn't mean they're getting out of sales. They're just doing it for themselves. Doing it, yeah, uh, doing something different. No, but I'm I'm actually, it's been awesome because I think there's this, I, I feel like salespeople are misunderstood. And I know this from having worked with a lot of like technical founders or just, you know, so startup founders are just like, oh, well, sales is sales and sales. People are like, no, there's, there's actually a lot of folks in sales that are incredibly creative and have found their way into sales yeah. from such a variety of different backgrounds. Uh, but yeah, that, that's probably the most common question I get. All right. How do I get out of sales? <laughs> really, no, it's, maybe it's not that, but I it's know, like, I hey, I've got this idea. What do I do with it? I'm going to start their own thing. Absolutely. And yeah, salespeople can make great entrepreneurs just like everybody mm-hmm. else. All right. Yeah. The answer last time was, uh, how do I do more than two touch points was the one that you said. So, um, yeah, that's change again. That's evolution that's change, of like, yeah. the, scale, the evolution yeah. of the space. It's almost like, yeah, use a sequence cadence product. Right. That's Off it. you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Booyan. Pretty consistent. I liked it. Um, so if people want to learn more about Scratchpad, how should they do that? Uh, so we have a mailing address. You write a letter and you send it. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> No, you, I'd love somebody to, to be serious about that sometime. Yeah, send us send a postcard. A PO box. Uh, yeah, PO box. We'll back in four to six weeks. 
Uh, prepaid? No, I'm kidding. It's uh, just go to scratchpad.com and it should be simple. Perfect. Yeah. Good. I urge people to check it out. And uh, Puyan, it's been great to talk to you again. Let's Thanks not for uh, me. let's not leave it for five years again. I hope not. I hope not. All right. All, All right. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Andy. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I am so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Puyan Salehi, for coming back on the show after five years and sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Bye.